from Michael Tumlin Designs. This is Creatively Brief. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 14 of Creatively Brief, a podcast for creatives by creatives. I'm your host, Michael Tumlin, and I'm happy to welcome founder and CEO of Pitchproof, Ryan Hayward, to today's show. Hey, Ryan, how are you doing? I am doing amazing. Thank you so much for the invite on this show, Michael. Absolutely. Yeah. And I appreciate you taking time out of your day to sit down and talk to me. Of course. Yeah. So before we jump into anything too major, can you kind of walk everybody through who you are, what it is that you do, and sort of just where you are right now? For sure. So my name is Ryan Hayward. Most people know me as the guy behind Pitchproof. I'm the CEO and founder of Pitchproof, which initially started as a platform for designers to pitch their works to clients. But now we have transitioned and pivoted into a place and um, framework for us to build virtual events for designers. So our biggest virtual event that we've hosted was a virtual conference called Front Row. Um, which took place in October last year, which featured about 12 design leaders in the industry, such as Christo, Michael Janda, just to name a few. And that was basically a four and a half hour broadcast on YouTube. And that's kind of shaped the future of Pitchproof and our business model. Um, but I mean, how I got started into design, I started designing uh, professionally as a freelance designer when I was 14. Started doing that by entering design contests online. Um, and it's kind of just taken off from there, became the CEO of Pitchproof at 17. I turned 19 last week. Um, oh, wow. So I'm still a bit of a young gun, but um, yeah, just loving everything that I'm doing in my career so far and looking to keep that going. Wow. First of all, congratulations. That's that's awesome. I had no idea that you were so young. You seem so on top of everything. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. And front row, yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that later. And you kind of talked about how you got into design. But so... Are you are you self-taught as a designer? Yep, 100%. Cool. So then what yep. what kind of like resources and stuff did you use to learn? Or did you just kind of start like fiddling around with stuff or were there places like Skillshare or anything like that that kind of like really helped boost you forward with it? Not overly. I would say I haven't really, even like YouTube tutorials, I didn't really duck that much into it. I don't really have any mentors or I haven't really purchased any courses or anything in that nature. A lot of it has honestly been just on the job learning where it's like, okay, I, I like starting as doing design contests. I'm like, all right, you've got to deal with a brief. You've got to do all this. You've got to do that. Right. Uh, I need to design a logo and it's got to do this. You know, it's got to have this color. It's got to have this effect. How do I do that? Let's Google it. Right. right. So a lot of it just starting around and mucking around, you know, in Photoshop when I was like nine years old was just me looking at different things on the internet, looking at inspiration, um, which I didn't know it was called inspiration at the time. It was just me looking on the internet and then going, okay, how do I recreate that in this program? Right. And then through doing that, you learn what a pen tool is and what the shape tool does and how to fill an object with a certain color. And you learn all the basics simply by doing rather than watching a YouTube video. Right, right. And so then off topic question, mildly, what's your favorite Adobe program? What is it that you rock in most? Uh, I would say I rock Illustrator the most. Okay. Okay. Cause when I started, I was the same kind of way where I like, I'd look stuff up on YouTube and all that. Uh, but I was almost exclusively Photoshop for the first few years of me designing. Yeah. So was that. Yeah. 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 And, and I, I talk yeah, to people yeah, now. Kind of yeah. 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 And so now I'm like all, well, I actually, I prefer, uh, InDesign cause I like a lot of layout design, but, okay. but yep. Illustrator. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then at what point did you kind of realize that like graphic design and this sort of creative entrepreneur career path is what you wanted to do? 
Um, I think everything's kind of been a little bit of a natural progression for me. I have a weird mindset that, and a weird um, drive that if I really want to do something, I'm just going to do it. I don't right. care like, what the obstacles are. I'm just going to try my best to achieve it. I think I've kind of wanted to be a graphic designer. Like, you know, like as a kid, you got like a dream job, whether it be a right. race car driver or whatever. When I was 12 years old, my dream job was to be a graphic designer. And I didn't feel like waiting around to the, do the whole typical thing of, you know, waiting until you have a high school at 18, then going to four years of um, design university or college. And then when you're 22, then you can get your first design job. Like that just didn't seem um, practical to me. Right. So I'm like, hey, I'm not going to wait around. I'm just going to find a way to actually start. And that's kind of exactly what I did. So I think to answer your question, I mean, I first realized I wanted to be a graphic designer when I was 12. Um, Being a creative entrepreneur and that entrepreneurship um, that's kind of um, been bloomed out of me, I would say is a natural thing and probably more, especially over the past two years, it's been something I've focused on a lot more and realized that that's what I'm actually meant to be. As much as I love graphic design, I'm a... I'm a, just a creative person right. and graphic design is a big part of that. But at the end of the day, I like to create things and I like to create things in the sense that they're going to make money. So the business and operations side of it, right. as well as the actual um, artistic side of it too. Yeah. And that kind of brings up two thoughts to me too is one, last week I was actually just talking to um, the the brothers over at Brethren Design Co. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah. So I just had them on the podcast last week and we were kind of nice. talking about how all designers kind of have this like natural hustle in them and hearing you mm-hmm. talk about how like you didn't want to wait for college, you wanted to just go ahead and start doing it. That reminds me very much of that and it, it it's a admirable trait to have. But I mean, like I said, seeing that you're only 19 years old and you've already had this huge, you know, thing and you've grown this big social media presence and all that. I mean, that just speaks to that. Yeah. I don't remember the other thing I was going to say. I forget now, but (laughs) whatever it was, I'm sure it was, it was something related to it. But so, okay. So then on your website, I I was kind of doing some research and I saw that you have on there that you say that you work with startups. And so is that something that you work with exclusively? Um, the short answer is no, Okay. but that's my niche. So as a freelance designer, I think it's important to have a niche. Okay. So my niche was branding for internet startups. And the reason it was branding for internet startups was because out of my experience of being a designer and being a freelance designer, I got to work on a lot of different projects, whether that be websites, animations, um, illustrations. Um, but the thing I enjoyed most was doing branding for internet startups. So if I enjoy that the most, I might as well try to do as much of it as I can, right? Right. So as a freelance designer, I tried to niche myself into that. And because I did that, I got a lot more of those projects. Now, not to say I didn't get other projects. I've done a lot of websites um, over the past, like, you know, couple of years when I was really in my freelancing prime. Um, You know, I've done illustrations, flyers, whatever. Um, But just by targeting myself to that, I seem to get a lot more of those clients. Yeah. And and that's something else that's also come up a lot on this podcast is put out the work that you want to be doing. And yep. what I find interesting about that is that like 
that seems like such a specific kind of like niche to put out there compared to other people. Like a lot of people work in branding or like for me, I would always say, you know, oh, well, I'm into layout. That's kind of like what I specialize in. Yep. But then having it specifically with the with startups, I think is a really interesting way to kind of target that. But at the same time, I mean, the more specific, the more you're going to get to do, like you said, what you really want to do. So yep. yeah, that's really, really cool. Yeah. yeah, it's about being niche to be seen, right? Like right. the reality is, there's a lot of freelance designers out there. There's a lot of designers out there. There's a lot of um, like tools out there that designers, that clients probably don't even need designers for like Canva or anything. Right. So if you could be niche and be the absolute best at something that no one else can top rather than being just, uh, I'm the best at layout. But if you're the best at layout for the real estate industry, right. you're going to get more work. Yeah, Absolutely. And so then another thing that I talk about a lot on this podcast is community and Mm -hmm. sort of other people's experience in the design community, you know, what it is that's going on in the community now, those kinds of things. And you touched on it before, but so you started Front Row, which was an online digital conference. And if I'm correct on this, it's sort of like an extension of Pitch Proof, correct? Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it's a part of the pitch roof business model. Yeah. Right. Right. So then where did the idea for front row come from? Like where, where did, when did the original idea kind of pop in your head and what was your thought process and sort of your goal behind that? Yeah. So it's a bit of a funny story. So I was, I was literally in the shower. I'm like, Hey, wouldn't it be cool to organize some sort of, um, Instagram event where we get a bunch of these influencers, these design influencers, which I already had really good connections to, and just basically do like three, four hours and have them back to back and we'll do live Q&A and it'll be great, right? Right. And simple objective there and the whole reasoning why Front Row became what it was because I simply just wanted to create as much value as possible. And then, so I had a shower. Half an hour later, I jumped on a call with a design influencer and we did like a live stream for his podcast and it was on that podcast where I went, hey, I've got this idea, Instagram, tell me what you think and people are like, yeah, this is great. Like, let's, Brian, make this happen. Right. Um, so I'm like, okay, let, let's make it happen, you know? Like I was saying it before, I've got this weird like drive that if I want to do something, I'll make it happen. Um, so I just said, okay, I'm going to make this happen and then it, that kind of, my idea expanded over time into a virtual conference and rather than just a Instagram live stream. Um, and it, yeah, it kind of just, just shaped into this experience for designers that people loved. Yeah. Yeah. And I know like, like I've gone to creative South and I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Cause I know you're all the way in Australia, but it's sort of just yeah, like, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, it's a pretty good, like it's a big size for the Southeast kind of a conference, you know? And, and that's something that I talk about a lot because I love it. Like that was my first design conference and it was such a great sense of community. And I remember when I saw that front row was happening, I remember thinking like, that's such a good idea because imagine like the internet nowadays is kind of what's been forming things. And when you look at that and think like, it's so easy to connect with all these people, I feel like it only makes sense. Like, I feel like somebody should have done this sooner sort of a thing, you know, like it's such a good idea. So I do agree. There's a lot of talents over the world. And I think the biggest problem with conferences, you have to be in that location to access that information. right? Right. Right. So when you've got something as powerful as the internet, you can literally be sitting in your kitchen, on your toilet, like I don't care where you are, right? You can be anywhere in the world and you can still access the best of the best information from the most talented people in the world. 
Right. That's powerful. And the fact that we can create that in a sense through virtual conferences and through front row is mind blowing to me. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's really cool. It's a really great idea. And then as part of that, like you kind of touched on it, you know, you had some pretty, pretty awesome designers, some big names, influencers in the industry that were speaking at front row. How do you kind of like pitch something like front row to them? Like were, were they receptive or did you have to kind of, I, cause I imagine there's a lot of preparation that goes into that kind of making sure all the wording is correct and making sure that your vision for it is kind of coming across. So how did, how did that process work? Um, to be honest, a lot of it was just Instagram DMs going, yo, we have this idea. You want to be involved? <laughs> I think to be honest, we, we were already like partnered with a lot of design influencers okay. or those type of leaders already yeah. with the Pitchproof SaaS product, um, through affiliate partnerships and things of that nature. So we already had a really strong relationship with these people, but it's easy to sell your idea when you believe in it. And especially when who you're pitching that idea to you know that there's a lot of value in it for them. And especially when your intention's right, like our intention with Front Row wasn't to make money off it. It was to quite simply, and I truly mean this, to provide value. Right. So all the speakers we got um, were speakers who were very genuine about creating value for their own audience. Right. So then for me to go to them, hey, we're creating this thing so you can provide even more value to your audience does that sound like something you'll be you'd be interested in? Of course they're gonna say yes, right? Right. So I mean it's providing value to them and then that's kind of how you sell it to them. So I mean, yeah, we already had some connections, which makes it easier, of course. But like we had like Christo as well right. on the um, broadcast last year and we hadn't spoken to him before the actual conference. So I literally just went onto LinkedIn and sent him a LinkedIn DM and go, yo, Chris, love what you do. Here's what we're doing. Is this something you'd be interested in? I'd love to have you involved. And fortunately enough, he replied back and said, yeah, I'm interested. And then we made it happen. That's crazy. That's crazy. And that's also, that speaks to the design community as a whole. Like, I, I, again, I've said it multiple times. It just keeps coming up. Like everybody in the design community is so supportive and receptive to these ideas. That's like amazing. I feel like there's not this like idea that some people are above others or anything. Like we're all just here to learn and put out the best work that we can. And yeah, that's, that's really, really cool. So then like having connections, like Chris Doe or any of the other designers, do you think that that kind of thing is important for cross promotion, like important in growing your business or growing whatever idea it is that you're working on? Um, it is for pitch proof because at the end of the day, like I could do a talk by myself and probably make it somewhat of a decent event, but it's going to be better with other people. Right. Um, simply because of the credibility and that they hold. Um, so yeah, for us at pitch proof, it's extremely important. Um, but it's, it's also just about networking and building good relationships with people, right. you know, whether you call it, whether you put a title on it, influencer marketing or not, like we just see it as creating good relationships with good people. Like that's what we're about. Like we don't partner with creators that are disgenuine or just have a, just because they got a million followers doesn't mean we're going to have them on our event, you know? Right. We'd rather work with someone who has 10,000 followers um, and has a, you know, a smaller audience, but they're so genuine and they're so passionate about their community and love just being a nice person. Right. Um, like that's, that's a better investment for us to make 
um, in terms of our time in building a relationship and let's call it what it is, influencer marketing with those people right. rather than someone with a million plus followers. Right, right. And because at at some point, whenever you're doing that kind of stuff, I imagine that begins to represent your brand. So you have to partner with people yeah. that have the same goals. Exactly, exactly. I yeah. mean, creators are at the core of what we do. So right. it's about empowering them um, as much as possible. Right, absolutely. And so then looking back sort of at your experience and starting and running and just kind of making Front Row a reality, if there's someone else out there that's interested in starting their own design conference or something similar to what it is that Front Row was, what advice would you give them? Um, I know that's a big one. I'm sure there was a lot that went into yeah, it. Yeah, there, there was a, a lot, a lot of things that went into it. I think the biggest one is to make sure you have your vision right. So for us, our vision was to just create as much value as possible. It wasn't to monetize it. Yes, we ended up doing that through um, sponsorships, right. but that wasn't the starting intention. And you won't be able to sell something. You won't be able to get speakers um, if your intention isn't right from the get. Yeah, right. it's, the, it's the exact same. And I tell people all the time about this, about growing on Instagram or LinkedIn or whatever, whatever social media platform you want. If your intentions aren't right from the go and if you're just in it um, for the followers or likes or anything of that nature, you're not going to succeed. So it's really important if you're going to do something like this, have the right mindset and intention. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think it's easy to get caught up in, you know, wanting to grow, wanting to make money and all that. And obviously, I feel like for a lot of people, not for everyone, but for a lot of people, that's the end goal is to monetize. But I think you're right. If you can keep it more about the audience and more about providing value to them, enjoying what you're doing in the process, I think you're right. That's It's going to make it more successful. And when you have that mindset, you'll find that all the other stuff like monetizing it becomes a lot easier because for you to actually sell something to your audience that you like truly believe in right. is like so much more powerful when you actually believe in it rather than when you don't and you're just trying to get that extra cash. Right, right. Absolutely. All right. Well, with that, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Ryan's company, Pitchproof. Are you a designer, videographer, or creative of any type? Then you need to be on Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning platform with video courses created by professionals in their respective fields, giving you insight into how to take your skill to the next level. Whether you're learning a new hobby or pursuing a career, Skillshare has a class for you. With classes from creatives like Aaron Draplin and Roxanne Gay, there's no limit to how much you can learn from Skillshare. You don't want to miss this opportunity. Sign up today with the link in the podcast notes to get two months for free and take your creativity to the next level. Welcome back, everyone. So Ryan, I want to dive a little bit deeper into your company, Pitch Proof. So you kind of yep. already touched on what it is, and you kind of talked about how it's transitioning from a platform for designers to present their logos to now it's kind of switching into more like more similar to what front row is and kind of hosting those events. Yeah. So can you kind of talk look, about that transition? For sure. So I'd say, look at our core pitch proof and the pivoted business model. So where we're we going and moving forward at our core, we're a community of over 80,000 designers. So we, so how do we, so our, our question that we asked ourselves 
you know, we've got this amazing community. So how do we build a framework to connect our global audience closer together to uh, the designers and creators that they love as well as empowering our audience to connect with other undiscovered gems within their community? So other audience members, right? Um, Other, um, yeah, attendees to conferences and things of this nature. So our solution to that and something that we were basically doing on the side to basically market pitch proof and the SaaS product was producing entertaining and educational content as well as virtual events such as Front Row. Um, And look, the biggest reason why we're pivoting was simply because we found a new love somewhere else. Um, and look, I, I still love the pitch proof SaaS product. Right. Um, it, there's, there was a lot of logistics to actually make it successful in terms of a business, um, from like resources and time and things of that nature. But where we're going with pitch proof now, I'm so much more excited about because I've got this, um, this extra like passion for it rather than what I did with the actual SaaS product. Right. Right. And I feel like you kind of know whenever, something is right. You know, you can feel that kind of mm, excitement. And exactly. You, yeah. yeah. Whenever it's, you get excited to work on it, like all the time, that's how you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's super important too, because that means you can sustain it f- for a long period of time. Right. Yeah. So then even though Pitch Proof is kind of shifting more towards sort of the event sphere, where did the original idea for Pitch Proof come from? What was it that kind of told you like, like, you know, this is something, there's, this is a gap in the market that needs to be filled. Where, where did that come from? Um, so it came from simply because I'm young and I've grown up in a very technological time where everything's done through, um, some sort of new form of technology. So when I came up with the idea of pitch proof, I was 17 at the time. And at the time I was contacting a lot of different design agencies, um, around the world, more specifically in Melbourne, Australia, where I live, um, and basically messaging them and going, Hey, I really like what you do. I'd love to jump on a call with the creative director or founder or something of that nature. I just want to have a conversation with you and ask you a few questions. Right. And the reason I did that, and I emailed like two, three hundred agencies and freelancers. Like I emailed a lot of people. Um, but the reason I did that was to one network and just like get my name out there. Right. Um, but two, also just to learn about how other things, how agencies are doing things. And one of the questions I always asked was, how do you pitch your work to clients? How do you present your work to clients? And they all came back with the same shitty response, which is, oh, you know, we send it over in an email with a PDF or um, we present it in a slideshow and then give them a PDF later. And it's like, okay, from my understanding, a PDF, especially in the time that we're living in, is outdated because like from my experience a lot of clients are going to be viewing emails on their phone or on some sort of device that isn't designed for a pdf right unless you're viewing it on a desktop right because a pdf isn't responsive if you go to a website in 2020 right if you go to a website this year and it's not mobile responsive it's a very bad website so i guess my question that i asked myself when i was finding these um, agencies coming back and going hey, we present our work in a PDF was this doesn't make sense because we live in such a very mobile responsive world. How can we be sending this non-mobile responsive experience to the clients? Um, like it just, the, the ex, my, my thinking was, all right, what's the client experience for this? And 
like if I was a client and I got a PDF from a designer and I was viewing it on my phone, it wouldn't be a great experience, right? Right. Um, so kind of the problem and then we tried to come up with a solution and that solution ended up being the pitch-proof SaaS product. Yeah, that's very, very cool. And and it makes it, I feel like there's the potential to be more successful when it's something that other people need too, you know, like when there's already for a sure. need for it as opposed to trying to tell people why they need it. Yeah, yeah. no, that's really it's, cool. It's though. solving a problem. I mean, that's the base right. of any business. You need to solve a problem. And that's kind of the point of design in general, right? Is we're here to solve problems. So it, it goes back. It's that's just it. like our nature. Yeah. So then what did it take to launch PitchProof? Like what was the biggest challenge and what do you think kind of allowed it to be as successful as it was? Um, are we talking the software side of things or are we talking the business in general? I would say business in general probably. Uh, yeah. Cool. So I think our biggest success would be building the audience. Um, so we were very early to the Instagram carousel game on Instagram, right. which gave us a huge amount of growth um, throughout last year. And then... Fortunately, I was able to build a system around that that allowed us to establish a business from that. Um, so I think that's been our biggest success. I would say our biggest challenge with pitch proof is this challenge. That's a tough question. Glad you asked it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, there's always a lot of challenges that you have to face. I think I'm, I, I feel like I've just got that entrepreneurial spirit where a lot of things go wrong every single day and you face a lot of challenges, but you don't, you don't see them as challenges. You just see them as normal things, right? Right. So I, I like people ask me this question, oh, what, what's the biggest challenge you face with the pitch reef? You know, what's the biggest failure you've had? And I struggled to answer it because like, yes, a lot of things go wrong, but I don't see them as failures as such. I just see it as another hurdle, hurdle you've got to jump over. It's just kind of part of the process, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, okay. And so then you kind of touched on this before, like you were talking about your social media presence and sort of the, the carousel style of posts. So as far as you were the first account, like PitchProof was the first account that I followed that I saw doing any of these carousel style posts. So, and I remember thinking to myself, like, this is, it's such an interesting way to use Instagram because it taught me a lot. Like you said, you're all about providing value and I feel like I was getting a lot out of it. So do you think that kind of having that carousel style and, and using Instagram and all, do you think that that kind of played a big role in your social media presence? Oh, huge. Absolutely. I mean, we had some exponential growth from that simply because we were early to the game. And it's, yeah, one thing to be early, but also like I was saying um, earlier, it's also important to have the right intention, right? Right. So we were early on something. We were early on a trend, which inspired huge growth. But we also were able to maintain that audience throughout, well, until now, because we had the right intentions. Right, right. And then are, are you guys as pitch proof on other platforms besides Instagram? Um, we're mostly on Instagram. We've done okay. some content on YouTube before. We definitely want to expand a lot more. Okay. Um, we have our email newsletter, which we put out some time to time. We got about 10,000 on there. Um, I'm a lot more active on Twitter these days, which is awesome. Okay. Um, so yeah, we're, we're still building up our social media presence apart from Instagram, uh, doing a lot more with LinkedIn too. Cool. Um, so yeah, I think it's just something that's going to build up over time. Um, but yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm working right now on getting, I actually just on, for this podcast I got on, so I was on Instagram. That's like where I started, which that's kind of like my thing when I talk about social media, I'm, I'm usually not anywhere yeah. else. Uh, I used to be on Twitter way back in the day and I dipped it yeah. just, it's overwhelming. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it seems like a waste of time to me. Um, but yeah, so, no, I do agree. Yeah. I only joined Twitter really like three months ago and I've really got into it. Yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, like now doing Instagram and then I just jumped on Twitter and Facebook for the podcast as well. And then, uh, one that I didn't expect was Pinterest. So I have a, I have a friend and she's big into like the wellness and sort of like, uh, like blogging kind of culture. And so she's been telling me, I used to help her a lot with Instagram, you know, cause I knew a lot about that. And then she told me the other day, you know, you should jump on Pinterest. And I was like, okay, well I'll try it. And so I started doing it and like the algorithm on there is insane. And especially if you have blog content, Content. So, um, but all that to say, you know, I'm, I'm not one to jump on a whole lot of social medias myself, but yeah. I found with this kind of, I'm trying to diversify as much as possible. And I was going to ask, I don't know, do you think being on multiple platforms and kind of having that diversity is beneficial for a brand? Or do you think if you have a really strong core following on one, like Instagram with Pitchproof, do you think that's enough? Um, I think even though we're mostly on Instagram, it's extremely important and this is why I'm really trying to get into more content on other social media platforms. It's extremely important to not put all your eggs in one basket, right? Right. Because who knows? Instagram might disappear tomorrow. So if Instagram disappears tomorrow, what's going to happen? Is that going to affect you and your business and your audience? Right. So I guess it's putting content. You can have one major platform. You look at the future, for example, their biggest platforms, YouTube, right? So you can have your big platform where most of your content and your audience is, but it's extremely important to have other outlets and other platforms there. So just in case something happens to that one platform, whether it loses traction, like uh, Twitter did for quite a long time, or, you know, it dies completely like fine, then you've got another outlet to keep that social media presence going. Right, right. And I actually, I talk about that a lot on here as well. I'm trying to work on pivoting so that I can start building a mailing list, a a newsletter mailing list kind of thing. Uh, because yeah, like Instagram, I, up until now I've for the most part kind of been exclusively on Instagram. And like you said, like if it, if it, if anything happens, you know, like with the algorithm updates that they put out so often that just like shreds your engagement, like it's always this big deal. And so the more I think about it, it's like, if you, like you said, if you can diversify, it's going to make those kinds of things a little bit less significant. It's not going to matter as much to the overall business. So, but it's, it's overwhelming. It's a lot to be on all those social media platforms. Yeah, it is. It is. It, and it takes a lot of time too. So, I mean, like at the moment, we're not posting that much content on our Instagram account simply because I, like my priorities are elsewhere, right? Um, which is unfortunate. But I mean, look, you just have to make time, I guess. Um, but it's still important to have something. Something's better than nothing. 100%. Yeah. And a lot of it too yeah. is just kind of that foundation of finding what it is that works on the different platforms because they're all like it, it the type of content that does well depends on the platform you're on. Uh, so yeah. you have to diversify your content depending on what platform it is. Yeah. Right. Right. You can't take a Instagram carousel and put it on Twitter. Right. Or, or even LinkedIn. Like I see a lot of, and I do this too. Like I basically just repurpose my Instagram content to LinkedIn. But I, uh, the way I deliver that message kind of changes a little bit, whether that be in the copy or like one particular slide where it says link in bio, I might change that to an actual link. 
Like it's just the very subtle differences right? Um, that make a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. So then what would be the best piece of advice you could give someone trying to grow their social media presence in 2020? To have the right intentions. I've said this about three times now, yeah. but it's to have the right intentions, right? I can give you a lot of different advice on actually how to grow a social media account or on Instagram. I could say, oh, you've got to provide value. You've got to post five times per day. You've got to reply to every comment. You've got to reply to DM, like all the basic stuff, but you've just got to have the right intention. Yeah. And here's another great thing that often isn't talked about, that if you've got a thousand followers, that's still a lot of people and you should value that. Right. Um, so it comes back to not looking at the people who have 1 million followers and 100,000 followers and then comparing yourself to them. Literally just focus on the audience you've already got, whether that be 20 people, whether that be 200 people, whether that be 200,000 people. Right. It doesn't matter. Just value the audience you've already got and then over time that will grow. Yeah, 100%. And then I saw, I was, I was looking some stuff up, researching a little bit, and I was going to Pitchproof's website and I saw that there's a new website currently being developed. So, sure. and you talked about kind of that transition as well, that you're kind of moving towards more of the events in that, in that kind of uh, sphere, I guess, in business. So what can we look forward to with the new website? Are there any new exciting things outside of the, the previous Pitchproof and, and Front Row and all that? Yeah, I mean, we've always got secrets up our sleeve. I think the new <laughs> website's going to basically be a hub for our um, future events and content and things of that nature. But, you know, we have some cool downloads that we want to give out. We have just some cool integrations that we want to do within the website. So it's going to be um, a bit of a hub, I would say, yeah. for everything that we're going to do in the future. Okay, very cool. I'm looking forward to checking it out. And then Front Row is coming back as Front Row 2020. So what can we look forward to with that? Um, everything. <laughs> everything, cool. We have so much planned this year. Everything from talks, workshops, live Q&A, networking sessions, mentoring sessions, uh, giveaways, downloads, um, just free stuff. Everybody loves free stuff. Right. I think the biggest difference this year compared to last year is that it's going to be a lot more of a experience. So rather than, even though last year, like at its core last year, it was a four and a half hour live stream on YouTube. Let's be honest, right? Right. Um, but the great thing about it, because we've got such a strong community, is that people felt an experience and they felt like they're involved. Um, so we want to um, extend that even further this year and we want to really give our attendees um, the ability to interact and engage um, whether that be with the speakers or other attendees. So we're really focusing on creating an experience rather than just the live stream. Right, right. That's exciting stuff, I'm telling you. I'll be excited to tune into that and see everything that you guys are, are putting out this year. So but yeah, it. absolutely, yeah. Well, with that, we're going to wrap up today's show. But where can everyone find your work, Ryan? For sure. So if you're on Instagram, head to at use pitchproof. That's our pitchproof account. Um, if you want to learn more about Front Row, um, you can head to frontrow.design. Just chuck that into your browser. If you want to follow me specifically, uh, head to at the Ryan Hayward on both Instagram and Twitter. Or even like, just guys, if you've got any questions, DM me on whether that be on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Or, or email me, ryan at usepitchproof.com. I always respond to my emails. Um, and then another thing I'm going to do, which I just thought of on the spot, that if 
anyone listening to this podcast is interested in getting a VIP ticket for Front Row, I'm going to give you 10% off using the discount code Creatively Brief. Perfect. All caps, no um, spaces or anything. I'm sure you can put it in some show notes or anything. Absolutely. Creatively Brief. I'll set that up like as soon as we finish this podcast recording, dude. But yeah, Perfect. If, if any of your audience wants 10% off that, Credibly brief. Let's make it happen. I appreciate that. That's awesome. And, and yes. thank you, Ryan, for sitting down with me again. I know uh, for those who don't know, it is 7.30 in the morning for me and it is 10.30 at night for him because of the time difference. So I appreciate you taking time out of time your day sense. to sit down with me. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And like you said, yeah, anything that he talked about, all of his social media handles, all that stuff, it's all going to be in the podcast notes below. So make sure to check that out. Hit him with a follow. I guarantee you, you are going to learn so much if you hit them with a follow. Thank you again, Ryan, for sitting down. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Creatively Brief. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and follow us on social media at Creatively Brief. I'll be back next week with another episode. But until then, have a great week, everyone. I'll talk to you guys in the next one.